Amen. Well, my name is Ryan. I'm grateful to be here, and I, I want to say this up front, that I am humbled to be on stage thinking about the mission experience that we've seen from some of the videos and the people that are out front. I think about people like Mark Bourne and others that have preached Mission Sundays here, the many missionaries that New Hope has supported in the past. I'm humbled by that. Uh, because it wasn't that long ago that I was sitting in that same red chair that you're sitting in. It was actually, we always sat right here, row two, right here behind David. David knows. And I never thought on the many Mission Sundays that I experienced that I would ever be in Haiti. I never, never thought that. But my wife and I were. We were in there three years. Here's a picture of us early on that first year with our young son, Conrad. It seemed like a many lifetimes ago. And then here's a picture of, of our family now. God has blessed us with a couple more kids. And we're, we're enjoying life. Um, never thought I'd be on the mission field. Never thought I would work for a church. Of course, then, you know, I get this random call from a guy by the name of Rob Jankowski. He called me up, and uh, the rest is history. I thought about throwing Rob's picture on the, finding one online and throwing it up there, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, three years on, on the mission field, learned a lot. Now, the time thinking about and contemplating whether or not we were called to the mission field, learned a lot as well. And so what I've been asked to do this morning is to share some of my experiences, the insights that I've gained while on the mission field. And I'm going to do that this morning by using the context of Jonah. So if you have a Bible or device, go ahead and find Jonah chapter 1. We're going to get there in a moment. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, then you know we've been studying through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we're almost done with that study. We, we go to Acts 28 next week. And even though we're pausing this morning... For Mission Sunday, we're really not pausing anything, because if you know the themes that we've been uh, seeing in, in Luke's account of the early church, the gospel is exploding, it, it's spreading to Jews and Gentiles alike, and that's essentially what we are talking about this morning, about the church being unhindered. And so we're not really pausing anything. If anything, we're bringing it all to a head this morning. Now, before we jump into Jonah, I want to share with you one uh, piece of uh, information that I gained when I was on the mission field, and it's this. Not every mission experience is the same. Not every mission experience is the same. My wife and I were in a certain part of Haiti for three years, and that experience may be completely different than someone who's in Africa, someone who was in a different part of Haiti, or Brazil, or China. So I understand that my experience is somewhat limited. So what I've done is I've reached out to some different missionaries that are either currently on the mission field, some of which we've heard from this morning, or others that can consider this church to be their church home, some of which are in this room right now, to get some of their perspective and insight. So together we can have a fresh understanding of what mission work looks like. I also would tend to think that in a group this size that there are probably some of you that I didn't reach out to, but you have some mission experience, whether that is on the short-term mission field, whether it was in a different country or here in the United States or locally, I recognize that you, you probably have your own perspective. And so I just want to ask, if you have mission experience of any kind, Short-term, long-term, foreign, local. Would you mind standing up, please? If you, if you can do so, would you mind standing up? That's most of the room. That's good to see. You can go ahead and have a seat now. I'm, I'm, I may ask you to stand up again here in a little bit. We'll see. Okay, let's get to our text this morning. Jonah chapter 1. My guess as you were turning there, there was a, a certain image swimming around in your head. A certain image swimming around your head. Why is it that this prophetic book gets boiled down to one thing, a fish? Why does it get boiled down to one thing, a fish? When I, outside of Jonah, I don't think about fish that much. I'm not a fisherman. I don't really like the idea of standing out there and, and doing that. But I, there are probably some of you that would consider yourself fishermen. So if, if you're someone that enjoys that hobby, would you mind, you don't have to stand up, would you mind raising your hand? If you enjoy fishing, 
Okay, a few of you have no idea why you enjoy doing that, but that's, that's, that's okay. What I've heard about fishermen is that every fisherman has a, f- a fishing story. You know, that story of that one that got away, the story of, hey, you know, I know bass are only supposed to be this big. This is the biggest bass on record. I'm telling you, it was this big. Okay, and I was reeling it in. It was almost there, and it was, I had my buddy, and he, he brought the net in, and reeling it, reeling it. It was almost in the boat, and then the line got cut, and then, man, I'm telling you, though, it was this big. We've all heard those stories. Every fisherman has a, a fish story. Well, a couple weeks back, I was at a retreat for youth pastors. That's another interesting group of people when you get a bunch of us together. I happen to be one, so I have to deal with the consequences of that. Uh, we were on a retreat, and we were in a group setting, and as I was getting ready to exit our group setting, I was walking out, and I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. One of those situations where you, you see something, you, you process it, but while you're processing, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I have to... I don't know, what did that, and it was a shirt, it was something that was written on a shirt, I had to look back, I'm like, what did that guy's shirt say? And when I got a closer look, this is what it said. This is what it said. Even Jesus had a fishing story. Okay, I'm thinking, of course it's a youth pastor that has a shirt like that. Okay, I do not own this shirt, but some apparently do. But if you read your New Testament, if you study the life of Jesus, then you know the shirt is true. Jesus had more than one fishing story. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 with He does so with five loaves and two fish. When the disciples have been out fishing and they don't catch anything and they encounter Jesus, he says, throw your nets on the other side. I want you to catch more fish, more than they can even deal with. When Jesus is resurrected and he encounters Peter, he wants to reinstate him after Peter has denied him three times. He does so over a breakfast of fish. And we all know that Jesus commissioned the disciples to be fishers of fish. Men, fishers of men. We've all heard the fish stories. We may even have some fishing stories. Well, the shirt's true. Jesus has a fishing story too. And Jonah had a fish story, but it's not the kind of fish story that we would come to expect. If you read the book of Jonah, you would know that the fish is not the main character. He only shows up in two verses. But there is fishing going on. And it is this fishing of men idea. It's the God of the universe who is fishing for lost people. And he's using his man, his prophet, to communicate a message of love and grace, repentance and forgiveness. If you sit down and really study the book of Jonah, it's different than any other prophetic book that you would read. There's a whole lot more going on. Let me give you an example. Typically when you read prophetic books in the Old Testament, you're gonna see God's message, God's word, coming to his prophet, his messenger, and then that messenger, that prophet, communicates that message to God's people or some other nation. That's typically how it works. Well, in Jonah, that's not how it works. In Jonah, you have God's message that is given directly to God's people about the life of the prophet. It's a little different. Typically, when God's message comes to a prophet, that prophet is the faithful one that is communicating this message to a group of unfaithful people, whether it's the the Jews or or someone else. But in this case, it's Jonah. It's Jonah the prophet who's the most unfaithful of them all. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks studying the book of Jonah, but for this Mission Sunday, I just want to look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. How the book opens, because it's here that God is calling his man to a specific mission, a specific task. And my hope is, when we, as we look and see what Jonah's response is, and my experience and others' experience, that we can get a better sense for what, it, what does it mean to be a Christian, really? And what does it mean to be a missionary? So let's read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, okay, pause there, a couple things. Lord is in all caps, all caps. That denotes that this is the personal covenant name of God that's being used, Yahweh. So the word of Yahweh came to Jonah. Jonah's name meant innocent dove. Dove. Well, 
If you study his life, this isn't the only time that we see Jonah in the Old Testament. He shows up elsewhere, and he's not the innocent guy that you think he is. Okay, but nonetheless, he's the son of Amittai. Amittai's name means faithful. It makes sense. Jonah has the pedigree to be the exact messenger that, that these people need, but he falls short. Nonetheless, Yahweh's word comes to him and says, Arise, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it. Call out against it. Communicate my, my heart to them, the need for forgiveness and repentance. For evil has come up, their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. We know this story. We've either taught it in VBS or we've watched Veggie Tales. Okay, we know that it's all about this fish. But again, it's, it's God's man trying to communicate this message in that man decides that he's not going to do it. Rather than go east to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, these people that are cruel and vile and the enemy of the Jews, rather than going over there and communicating this message, he doesn't go east, he goes south to Joppa. And then from there, he takes the boat as far west as he can possibly go. We know, we know the story, yet there are two things in these first couple of verses that we need to, to see. It repeats it twice. Jonah runs from or tries to run from God. He actively tries to get away from God. Why does he do that? Why does, when God say, go here, he goes there. He does the exact opposite of what God wants. It's no trivial question because the answer to that question speaks to our experience because there are often times where God asks us to do something and we go the opposite direction. There are times when we run from God. If we're being honest, we're, we're doing that all the time. We may do it more politely and say, hey, God, thank you, but no thank you. I'm not going there. Yet, nonetheless, God sends us, wants us to go into the, to the situations where people need him more than ever, and yet we say, no, why is that? Well, in Jonah's world, in Jonah's life, we see part of the answer in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, where essentially Jonah says, he's like, I know what kind of God you are. I know you're compassionate and merciful and gracious. I've experienced that in my own life with this whole fish thing. But he's saying, these people, these Ninevites, I don't, I don't think they deserve it. I don't want to go there. It's not worth my time. And you're thinking, whew, Jonah, you need to check your heart. And I think at some level, we need to do the same thing, don't we? We need to check our heart. We think the message isn't deserving of the people that need it the most. But I think another reason Jonah runs from God is he doesn't feel called or equipped. At some level, he doesn't feel like he's the guy. He doesn't have the gifting. And so he's thinking, God, you want me to go over here and, and communicate this message to these people? Are, are you sure you got the right guy? And our experience is, is somewhat similar. We feel like we're not called or equipped or we don't feel like the, our gifting is, is such that we can go over and do that. So we say the same thing. God, you want me to go and talk to that person? You want me to go and do this? You want me to give up this? God, I think you've got the wrong person. So we run from God like Jonah because we feel like we're not called and equipped. And I, I've been wrestling with that over the last few days. The fact that as Christians, we, we buy into that lie because when we do that, we're making a categorical mistake. Because to start, it doesn't matter if we feel like we're called or equipped. It doesn't matter if we feel that way. When is, do we as Christians orient our life based on our feelings? It's more than that. I think we as Christians need to stop for a second and re-examine what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? Doesn't it, by definition, mean that we're called and equipped? Doesn't it, by definition, mean that we have everything we need? Doesn't it, by definition, mean that we serve the king in whatever capacity and role he wants and we're going to do it? He asks us to do it by faith. See, I think we need to come back 
to these fundamental truths of what it means to be a Christian. Because fundamentally, at the lowest level, to be a Christ follower implicitly implies it's baked into the definition that we are Christians and therefore we are called. We are called. Now, I can see the rebuttals coming now. Okay, they're streaming through your mind. Ryan, you know scripture in the New Testament talks about each person has different gifts and talents. And we can't all have the gift of foreign missions or whatever mission capacity we're thinking. And if all if we did, then there would be no one here in this room. And right, it goes on and on. And I get that. In a sense, that's true. We all do have different gifts and talents. And we're not all called to the foreign mission field. But I want to pause there. I want to pause there. Specifically when it comes to the foreign mission field, let me ask you this. Have you asked him? Have you asked him? if he wants you in a different culture, in a different place than here. And when you ask him, have you already told him yes before he says, before he responds with a yes or a no if he wants to send you? Because from my experience, by God's grace, Catherine and I said yes. Before we knew that God was going to send us to Haiti, we said yes. And we didn't know what we were going to experience in Haiti. We didn't know that our time in Haiti was going to lead us to our time here at New Hope. I never thought that I would end up preaching, never thought I would be up here on, on Sunday morning on Mission Sunday. But the one thing that I learned from all of that is this. You can never say never to God. We can never say never to him because the minute we say never to him, when that thing is off limits, we say never, what we're doing is we're hatching a mutinous plan against the creator of the universe. That's what we're doing. Now, you may be seeking God's counsel and you feel like he's not leading you to, to the international foreign mission field. He's not leading you even to something local. So, okay, Ryan, what do we do then? Well, I would say this. If you feel like he's not asking you to go somewhere else, then that means he has you exactly where he wants you. He, is already, he doesn't need to send you. He's already put you where you want. Maybe the reason where you are where you are is because God wants you there. You are the perfect person to meet the group of people that you interact with. I think about this with students. You know, I'm a student pastor. I, I would love to be able to go into all the different school districts. There are probably nine or ten that feed into this church. Be able to go and, and preach the gospel to everyone. But they're not going to let me in. Okay? That's not the way it works. So how do we get the gospel message in a real way to these different school districts? Well, doesn't it look like this? Doesn't it look like students? A couple of are down here. Students who are committed to, to coming to church, to, to worshiping God, to understand their identity, their mission, they understand how God has gifted them and called them, and as they live out their faith in everyday practical ways, they're going to do so in the home and in the schools. And that's how we begin to make a difference. That's, that's how we use our gifts. I think about those in the medical community. The worst place, the darkest place that any of us could end up in our, in our culture today is a COVID-19 floor in a hospital. Some of you may have experienced that. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. It's the darkest place that we can possibly be. No one wants to be on a COVID-19 floor, but God does. God wants to be on that floor and he wants to be there and, and he wants the gospel message and hope and life and light to be in that place. Well, how does it, how does it happen? How does it work? Well, it's the medical professionals that are trained to be good doctors and nurses that also have cultivated that quiet heart, as Rob said, that have a life given to God that allows them to share that message, to express that hope in that dark place. The same can be said of businessmen and mechanics and stay-at-home moms and customer service reps. Wherever you find yourself, if you're a Christian, then you are called to a place and a people. If you're a Christian, you're called to a place and a people. More than that, you are equipped for the task at hand. 
you are. Now, uh, there's a metaphor that, that I've heard David use before, and I've used it before at times, and it goes like this. That God sends us where he wants us to go, but he doesn't just send us, he also packs our suitcase for what we're going to experience there. He gives us everything we need for the work at hand. It's similar to if you go to a trip to Florida, you're going to pack the things you're going to need for Florida. You're going to pack sunglasses and a swimsuit and suntan lotion and all, all that. It's the same with true with God. He has not only sent you, but he is packing your bag. You have everything you need. I've really enjoyed using that metaphor in my own life and with others. I hope it's beneficial to you as well. But recently, it got me thinking as I was pondering using it in the sermon this past week, my mind kind of got off track, and I got thinking about all the times that with my family that we have packed bags to go on a trip because my wife does not deem me responsible, and she's correct, to be able to pack the kids' bags. Okay, she's the one that packs her own bag and all three kids, and she does a great job. It takes a couple of days. She's got everything she needs. I'm responsible for me, and that means I pack my bag usually the night before. I've, I think I've got everything I need. We throw it in, we go. Well, more often than not, more than I would care to admit, four to five days into the trip, I'm out of clean t-shirts. I have seven pairs of wool socks. I don't have normal shoes. All I have are flip-flops. I'd rather not wear the wool socks with the flip-flops, and I don't have my toothbrush. It cannot be found. Have you been there? On the trip of your life, have you been there and you feel like you've packed your own bag and you just don't have what you need? I've been there. On the mission field, I, I, I've experienced that. There's nothing like graduating from IU, getting a Kelly School, a business degree in finance, thinking that you have it made in the shade. Okay? When then God says, hey, I want you to go to Haiti, you can, so what I have to do, box up that really expensive diploma frame that used to be hanging on the wall, now it's in deep storage, I still don't know where it is, it's not up on the wall anymore, and God says, I need you to go down to Haiti and teach to high school kids. I need you to teach fundamentals of literature and geography and health, which, by the way, somehow also in my role had to mean sex ed. Like, I'm not equipped to do this. I have a finance degree. What am I supposed to be doing here? My bag isn't packed for what God has called me to. We've experienced it. Missionaries across the board experience it. And as one person in this room has said, each mission, you know, being equipped, it takes different forms. It's defined different ways. Each mission experience is different. But if you ask some of our missionaries, some of who we've heard from this morning, they're going to say things like this. They're going to say, I quickly realized I was way over my head, way over my head. Others talk about culture shock, you know, going into these foreign places. You don't, you're an American in a foreign land. It's a beast, some have said. Others put it this way, was I equipped? Nope. Nope. And still others, more honestly, have said, I still wonder, I still wonder what in the world I'm doing. What in the world I'm doing. Sometimes we feel like our bags aren't packed. And it's not just a missionary thing, it's an everyday life kind of thing. All of us have been in stages of life where we feel like we're not equipped to handle the next thing. Think about when you started high school or college, that first day on campus, did you did you feel as though you, had, you knew everywhere to go, you knew exactly what to do, and you could accept? No. You feel like you were over your head. When you got that first job, did you feel like you could do everything that you needed to do later on that, that month, that year? No. No. When you got married and you said, I do, did you feel equipped? Every guy in the room's like, no, <laughs> no. For those of us that have kids, for those of us that had kids, did you feel fully equipped when they said, hey, you can take them home now? What? Excuse me? No, we don't feel equipped. And more so, if you have kids, is it not every day that we feel overwhelmed by the burden of responsibility to be able to train up and steward these young lives? We feel ill-equipped. 
But in all these stages of life, we press on, we put one step in front of the other, we live out our faith as best we can, we ask for God's grace, he meets us there, and we, we make it somehow. We, we move through life when we're not equipped. So why is it? Why is it that we feel like we have to be fully equipped when it comes to missions? Why do we feel we have to be fully equipped before we get on the mission field, wherever that mission field is? Maybe it's because that we forget the invitation of 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that says we need to walk by faith. Walk when we don't know what's coming up next, not by sight. Maybe it's because that we forget that even though while we've been packing our bags, God's been packing our bag too. He, we have everything that we need. Maybe we forget, maybe it's this, that we, we think that it's our mission field and it's our work, but in the end, it's, it's not. It's, it's God's. It's God's. One of our missionaries puts it well. She says this, God has completely flipped upside down my concept of missions and ministry while being on the field. I've learned that he is the only one, the only one, capable of producing fruit, that prayer is the greatest resource I can bring to the field, and that more often than not, ministry happens in the interruptions of life, not your planned out, perfectly scheduled routine. He, God, has caused maturity and not allowing my identity to be based on success, but only on him, only on him. Doesn't hearing that, when we've seen the videos earlier, this is from one of our missionaries that we saw earlier this morning, doesn't hearing that and reading that make you just want to sit down and cry it because of how woefully ignorant we've been and how much we've missed it? We feel like we're not equipped, yet as Christians, how could we not be more equipped when we have Christ and he has us? When he has us, we have everything that we need. Typically, too, if you think about missionaries that have to get on the field, we heard, of, heard from some of the missionaries in the video that it takes a, a while to raise funds, to be trained in the language, to understand the culture, to get all your proper documentation in order. But if you're sitting in this room, you don't have to raise the funds. You know the language. You know the culture. I'm assuming you have the proper ID and paperwork. We're all called to a place and a people, and that means that if we are sitting here, then that place very well may be 46052. For others, it may be 46075, and still others, 46077, or any other zip code out there, because we are called to a place and the people around it. Now, if, well, as I've been talking, if you feel as though you're struggling with the idea of being equipped, I, I understand being a Christian
serve to God. And all the while, all the while, we trust. All the while, we trust. So as I stand back and think about what this means for us, why we miss out on, on what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a missionary, I think in some ways, especially in 2020, we've lost something. For some of us, it's, something's been stolen from us. Here's what I mean. A couple weeks back, I was driving down the road, listening to the radio, and a commercial came on, and it said that six out of ten Americans will lose their identity this year. Six out of ten Americans will lose their identity this year. And it went on in the commercial to talk about how that was due to identity theft. Hopefully that's never happened to you. Okay? But it got me thinking, how many this year, in 2020, how many of us have lost our identity as Christians? How many of... How many of us have forgotten what it means to be a Christian? How, what, what has been stolen by the masks? Have we forgotten what our role is to be disciples of Christ, to make disciples of other people? What's the, what's the percentage? What's the percentage? See, I think it's mask or, or no mask, lockdown or no lockdown, whether we're in Orange County today or a Red County tomorrow, whether the, the election is completed or it's still ongoing. Our identity does not rest in that. Our identity in Christ and our role in his kingdom is firmly rooted in the relentless love and grace we see in the person of Jesus, namely Jesus on a cross. That's where our identity comes from. That's where our mission comes from. That's where we understand where we're called and how we're equipped. It's, remember that it's in Christ we find out who we are and where we're going. He has us. He has us. And while when we understand that he has us, we can live out our mission no matter where God has called us. No matter where God has called us. So let, I'm going to ask this. If you have foreign, full-time mission experience, would you mind standing if you can stand? I know you're in here. If you're a teacher, could you stand? If you're a student, please stand. If you're a stay-at-home mom, yeah, like really, you can really stand, okay? Uh, if you're a medical worker, a farmer, a grandparent... If you're a dad, if you're a retiree, if I have not set a category that applies to you, but you are a Christian, would you please stand? Please stand if you can do it. Look around, like really look around. I know the math's made up, but like seriously look around at everyone. Everyone that's standing is called. Everyone who is standing is equipped. Everyone who's standing is a missionary. Why? Because we are all Christians. We are all Christians. And we all have a fish story. But is your story, is it going to be a story like Jonah? Is it going to be a story like Jesus? Because our stories aren't going to be about the one that got away or the fish that we caught. It's really going to be when we invite people to look at our lives and see us, we invite them metaphorically onto the front porch of our hearts, what are they going to see I think it's just going to be a simple sign. A simple sign that looks like this. It says, gone fishing. Gone fishing. Let that be said of us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we, we are standing because we understand that we are called and equipped, but Father, it doesn't mean that we don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that we still have questions. So Father, give us the grace to be able to take one step in front of the other in the direction that you want us to go, faithfully living out our calling and mission. Help us to take you seriously. Help us to get equipped when we feel like we're inadequate.
And Father, we know that if it were not for Jesus, we would be lost. But because of him, because of his sacrifice, we lives worth living. And so help us live them well. We ask for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen.